This is Policy on Purpose, a podcast produced by the LBJ School of Public Affairs at the University of Texas at Austin. We take you behind the scenes of policy with the people who help shape it. For more, visit lbj.utexas.edu. Thanks very much, and welcome to this podcast here at the LBJ School of Public Affairs. We have a great chance for an opportunity for discussion here today. The topic is transforming government, the power of data-driven decision-making. And we have three of the smartest people I could imagine to try to get together to talk about this. I think that's true. Uh, One is, uh, first is uh, former Baltimore mayor and former Maryland governor, Martin O'Malley, who, among other things, brought city stat to the city of Baltimore and state stat to the state, as well as base stat to improve the condition of the Chesapeake Bay along the way. He's author now of Smarter Government, How to Govern for Results in the Information Age, a book that's going to be out in May 2019. With us as well, uh, Steve Goldsmith, who is a professor of the practice of government and director of the innovations program at the Kennedy School, former deputy mayor of New York City and also mayor of Indianapolis, where he championed public-private partnerships, competition, privatization strategies. He's the author of A New City OS, The Power of Open, Collaborative, and Distributive Governance, which my students are reading in two weeks. And so uh, if they have a chance to be able to listen, we'll get an inside scoop on all this. And Robert Shea, who had a distinguished career inside the Office of Management and Budget, now works for Grant Thornton and was a commissioner on a truly unusual and unique enterprise, the Commission on Evidence-Based Policy, which fairly recently came out with a report and which is distinguished by a truly bipartisan effort in Congress to try to advance the role of evidence in government. So I can't imagine a better combination of people that we could possibly use to try to talk about this. And and the question, first of all, is that there's all this talk about trying to transform government and all this stuff about data. But on the other hand, it's a whole lot easier to talk about it than it is to do it, and especially to make data available in a form that actually moves policy. And uh, Governor, if I could start with you, just to ask, uh, what kind of experience and what kind of lessons do you have given your work both in Baltimore, in the Bay, state stat as a presidential candidate even, thinking about how we can try to not only put data in a form where we can use it, but in a way that people actually will use it and have some impact on policy? Yeah, awesome question. And the truth is, it's already happening. I mean, for all of the lack of trust we might have in our national efficacy um, and the ability to make our federal government work right now, the truth is all across the country, trust is actually at a higher level than it was 15 or 20 years ago in most cities and local governments. And I'd submit to you a big part of the reason for that, Don, is that, uh, that mayors, county executives who have never really uh, had that advantage of knowing things months before the people figure things out. They deliver very visible services. And so they've embraced this this uh, revolution in openness, transparency, performance management, uh, the use of the data, the use of the map, and and really uh, giving the, the citizens a view of, of service delivery and the life of their city in real time. That's never happened before, and that's happening now. Uh, the, the key is, uh, in all of this, of course, is leadership. 
I mean, the, we've never had a better ability to know where things are happening. Uh, and now that we know, we have now the, the opportunity really to collaborate in ways that get inside the turning radius of problems and deliver better results for people in very visible ways. So uh, 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 the, the, the truth is it's happening, but sometimes like a new song, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's not as loud as, uh, <laughs> as uh, some of the noise we hear on television, but it is, it is happening. And it's hard to sing that song in a way, too, when people look at the question of trust at the federal level and conclude, well, things are bad and they're getting worse. But your argument, Governor, is that we've been able to to try to use data and that local and state officials have been able to use data to try to drive performance. And people actually see that and notice it and respond to it. Yeah, we, we were many years ago, we were the first city to use 311 for all calls for city service. And then we had... The uh, per, the platform, if you will, Steve Goldsmith, Mayor Goldsmith talks about, you know, the common platforms for collaboration and the collaborative nature of governance. Well, once you cities all across America, almost every major city now has three one one. And the subtle transformation that took place in the move to 311 is that local leaders no longer talk about constituents as much as they talk about customers. And it's really the customer expectation and the institutionalizing of the openness and the transparency, making it, uh, making it the only acceptable way for governments to do business at the local level, to be able to give a customer a, 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 a service number, a time expectation within which to expect the pothole to be fixed or the graffiti to be addressed or uh, any number of other services. And that's a, that's a big, big shift. I mean, ultimately, everybody wants to know that their government is responsive and recognizes their needs, that they matter. And I think you see a lot of uh, leaders across America doing that in cities and counties, and hopefully more and more in states and the nation. And Mayor, and both in, in Indianapolis, but also in some of the work that you've done since, you've spent a lot of time thinking about this idea of creating a new operating system for government that's really based on this notion of collaboration and a government that's open, driven by data. And that really picks up on what Governor O'Malley was talking about. But you've got some interesting insights on that. And what, what is it that you think really makes this the new operating system that's likely to drive the way the government operates? Well, it's, if you go back to when Mayor O'Malley was doing city stat, right? So he's beginning to use data to measure the performance of city departments. But the people who worked in those departments didn't have very good tools at the time, right? Not because it was Baltimore, just because the age of digital tools hadn't, hadn't really progressed. So now the question is, what, what evidence, what information do you drive to the field worker? How does he or she get that information? How is it put together? How do they make decisions? How do they exercise their discretion? So what I was suggesting is that it's the total revolution of mobile tools, right? So you're using evidence to manage performance, but at the same time, from the bottom up, you're giving those tools to the, to the field workers to make decisions in real time as well. So it's it's the complete character of the change of the system. It requires somebody at the top to say, look, performance matters, but then you have to deliver the tools to the people who are doing the actual work, and then they can exercise their discretion better. It's very different than command and control, working in very narrow boxes and you know hierarchical systems. Now we have a system where we're, we're going to reward discretion and measure the application of discretion. And what you're really talking about, Mayor Goldsmith, is not just an, the use of data in new kinds of ways, but trying to wire it in as a brand new operating system the way we think about government actually operates. Well, so, you know, your first question to the governor was uh, something about the use of data. I actually think that's probably 
So, so for your audience, I, I read everything you write, and I, I think it's all great, and I think that was the wrong question. Right? <laughs> so What's the right question I think the here? right question is, uh, how do you, what problems can you now solve with data? Not how do you make data more uh, interesting in and of itself, because it's not, right? So the, what we're looking at is how a mayor or governor or federal official can use the data to solve a problem. And, and I'm partially just jesting. But so if we focus on here's a set of problems, now let's use the data to figure out how to solve those problems, then we can excite the, uh, the folks in the public enterprises about how to use them. And I think that's what the secret is, right? So looking across the verticals, uh, exercising discretion, informing the exercise of that discretion, measuring it, and then at the top, holding people accountable for results. And, and Robert Shea, you've had experience at the federal level trying to trying to do this, uh, arguably at a, at a far tougher level, where the distance between what happens at the top and the way in which the services come out the bottom is much greater. And what do you make of Mayor Goldsmith's argument that this data stuff, at least the data in particular, is often not very interesting to people. I mean, well, how, how do you make it interesting and useful? Well, the data itself is not interesting. Um, and it's great to be with three giants who've been thinking about this for a long time. The genesis for the bill you mentioned, the Foundations for Evidence-Based Policymaking Act, came out of some best practices at the federal level. And those were agencies that thought really hard about what problems they wanted to solve and then went about collecting the data that helped them solve those problems, answer those big questions. So uh, we, we think there's an opportunity to unlock a lot of the data that's uh, littered across the federal government and give re researchers better access to it, easier access to it, so that you can do the kinds of studies that answer these really important questions about what programs work. Invariably, when you look at programs at the federal level deeply, they generally aren't working. So more insights into what is working and how to fix those that aren't, um, we think is time well spent. So the notion is that we know some stuff is not working very well. Some stuff is. How do you tell the difference? And your argument is that we can do a better job figuring out which is which based on the data? Yeah, we got plenty of data. We are already collecting plenty of data on anything that moves, uh, but it's underutilized. So better access to that data should unlock these mysteries. And can you talk just for a second, Robert Shea, about this idea about the, the commission that was created? It was a bipartisan congressional commission that was created to try to figure out how to do just that. That's exactly right. The uh, Senator Patty Murray and uh, Speaker Paul Ryan uh, were working on a poverty bill together. Um, but since that became so tough, of course, they created a commission. Um, the purpose of which was to come up with recommendations on how to strengthen the governance over evidence at the federal level so that we could at least have a fighting chance of making more decisions based on evidence. Let me key off something, that John, that you just – that Mayor Goldsmith and, and Robert Shea just said. It reminds me, shortly after the attacks of 9-11, I remember meeting with a gentleman from uh, NSA – and uh, he said something in the course of our conversations. He said, you know, if we only knew what we already knew. Hmm. And I said, and then did something about it. 
And that's really what it comes down to. I mean, Lincoln said the same thing in different language about 100 years ago when he said, you know, if we only knew whether we were headed and, and, uh, and how we were getting there, we'd have a better chance at arriving or something to that tin. But, but look, what, what Merrick Goldsmith talked about, this, this shift has really happened fast in, in local and city governments, and it is the future. It is moving from the construct that we have in our heads of our leaders sitting high atop a pyramid of command and control and sending orders down. And it's instead much more of a collaborative circle on its side in which the use of data at the center emanates and pulsates out to the other circles, if you will, the individual departments, solid waste, sanitation, housing, or you know, state their different names. But the key is, as Mayor Goldsmith indicated, is you have to get that, uh, uh, that, that ubiquitous everyday use of data and, uh, and the evidence to drive your deployment decisions, your tactics, your strategies, and, and collaboration across different departments, especially once you get to the state level where it's harder. All of the big challenges, the, 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 the more difficult challenges are not a simple one-off, dispatch a crew, fill a pothole, it's done. Reducing lead poisoning among children in a big American city where for generations children have been poisoned in substandard housing, that requires collaboration with educators, with pediatricians, with uh, uh, sometimes schools. Sometimes we found that uh, people are far more likely to open their doors when we sent firefighters accompanying the health workers because everybody opens their door for a firefighter. So that sort of collaboration is really what these new technologies enable. And it also allows us uh, uh, to hold uh, one another accountable in the endeavor at the same time that it gives citizens visibility into how their government's actually working and whether or not it's working any better this week than it was last week. We've never had the ability to do that before. And what you're talking about, Governor, is in a sense creating a new kind of language for talking about what works and what doesn't and how it does and how to do it better. Yeah, and the, and the visualizations. I mean, Robert was talking about the the data. I mean, we, we're awash in data. What we what we are still learning how to do is to visualize and make it understandable to everyone. Our theory, working theory, when I was when I served as governor, was look, I want the people of our state seeing the same dashboard that I see, and I want them to see it at the same time that I see it. I don't want to wait six months, scrub it, only show them the pretty measures. If we're not showing them where we're missing goals then the goals that we're hitting have no credibility. And Robert Shea, if I could ask you to pick up on that, because one of the things that what the governor just said struck me as fascinating is the idea of seeing data. We don't usually think of data as something to see. We think of it as something to count, but often not something to see. Yeah, you were. we were talking earlier about the need to do a better job telling stories and uh, using the data to tell stories that can drive decision-making is really important. You really want to be able to capture, you know, you talked about the shortcomings, Governor, the anomalies in the data that where you need to focus your management energy. And the map can help do that. I mean, the map is a great integrator. And we've all grown up with maps, but only lately do we have maps that can, because of the Internet of Things, reflect real time the, the shifting dynamic across the place which we call home. And, and Mayor Goldsmith, you've been spending a lot of time looking at innovation, especially in cities, but across governments, by government officials who have succeeded in doing that. You did that in your own work in, in Indianapolis, but you've been also looking at the way in which people across the country have tried to do that. Right. So, you know, challenging the 
assumptions with the data will lead you to disruptive innovations as well. So maybe just to weave a, a few of the answers that we've just heard. So let's go back to the lead example for a second, right? So the, one of the issues with government <clears throat> is that often operates by routines, right? So just the same thing, and, and which is in one way that's you know comforting because the government will operate predictably, but that's predictably often slowly because you can't redirect your resources. So think about lead for a second. Say a city like Baltimore, Indianapolis, particularly in New York, has lead issues it needs to address and not enough people to address them. So, so the data could inform you about where the riskiest neighborhoods are, where the riskiest dwellings are, where the riskiest kids, where the kids who the most risk live. And, and so then you use the da data to identify the outliers, right? So now that we think about innovation, we're not thinking about just measuring the speed of response. We're, we're thinking about measuring preemptive responses, right? Predictive responses, solving problems before they occur, taking the data and aiming it in the right place and aiming the worker in the right place. It's a, it's a totally different way to use data. It's a totally different way to operate a city or state, and it will be the future. I once saw Don, I've stolen a, a slide from a guy named Sean Malinowski, who is a deputy commissioner of operations for the LAPD. And yes, his mother was Irish. And, um, <laughs> and Sean has a slide that he talks about the change, the transforming of their own city police department and he almost has like these little – picture, if you will, the kind of volume levers that you'd have on a mixing board for a band. We're at South by Southwest. so, And he says, we've moved from being a uh, 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 an organization where decisions were made based on hunch or routine to making them based on evidence. Slide the little volume knob across. We've moved from the ability uh, – or from simply responding to calls for service – to deploying to a system of alerts, again, based on the evidence. We have moved from the ability to make nice-looking maps to the ability to do predictive analytics. And But that describes not only what's happening in the police department. That's really the change that's happening across the board in government. And let me ask a question to each of you because the one thing that all of you have in common is is a lot of experience and we would have total up the amount of real world practical on the job experience that would go into the decades and decades and all of you have had the experience of watching other people try to pick up the ball and carry it one of the things that strikes me about what you say is first how important leadership is in this but secondly how important the the role of leaders to be able to lead using data is but then the risk is, third, that when a leader leaves, how is it possible to be able to make sure that the, the driving forces of technology can continue to try to advance it? Mm -hmm. That how much – how do, how can a leader make sure that if this is such a good idea, it doesn't go away when the leader does? And Mayor Goldsmith? Well – you, well, you answer the last question is you can't. So let, let's let's think about <laughs> but that, that, this. That's a, that's sort of a scary thought if you think. Well, about it. I mean, I think that if if you have a effective governor like Governor O'Malley, then you begin to change the culture of the enterprise. Right? It, it, its use of data becomes more routine, uh, and the uh, way government operates will become better. However, there there is no such thing as replacing a visionary leader with a bot, right? Somebody has to lead. Somebody has to set the vision. Somebody has to hold people accountable. Now, I think, though, 
over time, you change the culture of the bureaucracy so that it operates better, the standard starts higher. So it's a combination of the two, I think. Um, Governor? Yeah, the, um, the, um, I think the driving force is not the technology, Don. I think the driving force is our ability to care for one another and to care about one another. And the technology gives us the ability to, you know, to have our, our actions <laughs> actually rise to the level of, of, of our caring. In other words, um, you know, what, I've, what, I've, what I have found in my own experience is that there is a bit of a muscle memory that starts to take over in, even when leaders change. I mean, and leadership's important. It is the great variable. But, but I don't think we should confine the impact of leadership simply to the elected person that's at the center of the organization, whether it's mayor or governor. There are leaders in every single department, and there are caring people in every single agency. And if they are empowered with the data and the systems that outlast an administration, then they'll continue to do good things, even if you might have a leader that you know, takes down the open data portal or turns around the, uh, the dashboards, there is still that muscle memory and there is still that leadership uh, uh, ethic that's been activated. And um, as, as Mayor Goldsmith said, I mean, government by routine, once people get routine about not allowing kids to slip through the cracks, for example, in a social services system, uh, it's hard to uh, – somebody has to consciously switch those – that to an off position once you get it going and once everybody knows. And Robert Chair, let me let me ask you about that if I could, because you've you've seen people come in and if not maybe hit the off switch, you've at least seen people try to switch it to my switch. That when somebody leaves, given your experience at the federal level, uh, president's management agendas have been put into place, performance metrics have been put into place, new administration comes in and says, well, that may work for the last administration, but we've got an even better idea, which is different from the old idea. Democracy is kind of a bummer in that you have to replace leadership on a periodic basis. Um, I mean, the reason why Mayor Goldsmith and Governor O'Malley are icons in the management community is because they are rare in that they invest the time, energy, political capital in making lasting improvements to the government's operation. Um, and so it's a, it is a, it is a, a mystery um, what makes these guys tick and, more importantly, how to make it stick in, uh, when they leave. Um, you're right. They're leaders in every uh, uh, component of government. Um, but leaders like you all are rare. And uh, we do everything we can to create a uh, governing structure that allows these principles to continue. But both of you said it. There's no replacing good leadership. I don't, I don't mean to embarrass you all. And just to follow up on that too, if I might, because there's – Robert, you've, you've seen – presidential transitions, too, on top of that. And this is a horribly unfair question, but what kind of advice would you have in trying to ease those transitions between Democrats, Republicans, Republicans and Democrats to make sure that what seems to be the right and the obvious good thing to do doesn't get just pushed aside because it was the last administration's bright idea? This is an area where the federal government has invested a lot. Um, The institutions of campaigns and government are um, meeting well in advance of elections to plan for 
better transitions. And that includes highlighting management improvement initiatives that work. I say this in the shadow of the last presidential transition, which I don't think sets a precedent for future transitions. I do think it's an area that's really improved. Well, that was discreet. That was, <laughs> discreet. That was, that was a discreet yeah. point, Mayor Goldsmith says. <laughs> the, British have a, the British have a saying, it's, it's important that governments learn to rebrand and not disband. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the question of politics has inevitably surfaced here. And I want to make a, an observation and ask a question as we get ready to, to wrap up here today. The observation is that uh, it may not be obvious to the people listening to this conversation, but we have both Democrats and Republicans sitting at this table, and I don't think you'd be able to tell easily which were which, that there really is this notion that there's a, a way of making government work better that is based on data. And that, I think, is a really interesting observation about the importance of transforming government through data-driven decision-making. But the question is this. Uh, we have a president now in Donald Trump who's capitalized on this fake news idea, who has, and he's not just doing it because it, it's, a, it's a catchy phrase, which it is, but he's tapped into a profound distrust that a lot of people have about what people say and what people do. And it's unclear how much more mileage there is in the phrase, but there's something real in this idea that, you know, we don't really trust these numbers very much. We, we have the sense that people are just going to make up the numbers that fit whatever it is that they want to say, that people are going to be told whatever it is. And if I'm a citizen who doesn't trust government much to begin with, that maybe there's something underlying this here. And, and Robert, if I could ask you to try to, uh, try to respond to that, uh, you suggested maybe this wasn't going to be for the ages, but there, there's something real also that's going on under the surface here. There, there is. Um, I, don't, I don't know. I, I don't, I, I'm more of an optimist. I'm too much of an optimist to think that this, will, this damage will last and that we won't recover. Um, and one of the one of the things that we should all have faith in is the statisticians that are uh, working hard every day to collect and report data um, that is that is used in in every conceivable uh, community in which the government is working. So that's just one that's one glimmer. But there there are many others I think, and and I do think smarter people than I are working to um, improve the way we the the way we distinguish between what is fact and what is fiction. Yeah. Mayor Goldsmith? Well, I'm going to stay away from your national question and answer it at the local levels really quickly. So one, Governor Malley at the beginning said that trust in local government is actually higher, which is true. And we shouldn't lose sight of that fact, right? So so if we think about this issue, we we, we don't have a lot of local news anymore that's from trusted sources either because of, because of the fragmentation of news. So think about I could think about the answer to your question the following way. People want a government that works for them and they know whether the local government is working for them because they can see it and feel it. Two, that the transparency movement that the governor mentioned is terribly important if that information is out there in real time. Three, that I think that people do react to the narrative of maps, right? If they see things, it creates a shared narrative, right? So you, so we need to work harder at that shared narrative, at that civic infrastructure. But I think trust can come from that, and local government still has uh, that trust reputation. Governor, yeah. I th th look, I, um, I will only, I'll add this that um, I think there's a role also for academia to play here. 
in a very civic and engaged way with local government, if that's where the trust is is highest. I do believe that people, that all of us as citizens have a great, but attach some value to the brand of whether it's the LBJ school or the Kennedy school. And so I've been working um, with a nonprofit called the Metro Lab Network, which is 40 leading cities and their university partners. And I think that's a, that's a, a part of, of what it's going to take for us to really foster, germinate, uh, and make grow that, that trust that's starting to come back in local places. Eleanor Roosevelt, you know, many years ago with the UN Declaration of Human Rights said, it's important for us to ask, what does this document mean in the small places close to home? And that's where we need to get with the data and the technology when it comes to not only the efficacy of our local government, and, and, um, but also of our state and of our federal. What does it mean? Can you show me my house? Can you show me where these policies are making a difference in my community for my kids? Uh, you know, they used to say that, um, well, wasn't Missouri was the show me state? We're now the entire, you know, United States of, of show me people expect and demand that their government will actually be able to show them what they're doing and whether it's not it's working any better for all of us than it was last week. And the quicker we get there, the better for our kids. Well, couldn't agree more with that, but also with your challenge to the academic community, Governor, because it's one of the things that for those of us who have either worked in or worked with the academic world, one of the biggest challenges of all is trying to find a way to pick this ball up and run with it on, on essentially our side of the street to try to support yeah. this kind of work. And I think your idea of a good research project is one that takes 20 years and is federally funded. Right? <laughs> Sit there. Whereas, not, not mine, but it has been said that that's the fact. Whereas and, Maris want a project that's done in two weeks that they can deploy. Exactly. And one of the things that's actually an exciting piece here that we're doing at the LBJ School is a, is a project both with the Volcker Alliance and with mm. groups of local officials here in the state of Texas, where we are, and it's sort of, it's a wild conversation. We've gone to people and asked them, what kind of research do you need? And their first reaction was, okay, what kind of data are they asking for and how do they want us to do their work for them? I said, no, 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 you don't understand. What kind of problems do you need yeah, to solve the problem. that we and our students can help you solve? And that's one of the things that we here at the LBJ School are working on. And I know great. that it's the, the kind of work and the partnership that Governor O'Malley, that you've, you've bought with the, the work that you've done across the country, that Steve Goldsmith is championing with his work at the as the director of the innovations program and that Robert Shea is doing in so many other projects around the country as well with the work that you're doing at Grant Thornton. Uh, thanks to all of you today who have been listening in to this Policy on Purpose podcast. We're especially grateful to our three guests here today, uh, Governor Martin O'Malley, the author of the new book, Smarter Government, How to Govern for Results in the Information Age, Stephen Goldsmith, who's the author of A New City OS, The Power of Open, Collaborative, and Distributive Governance, and Robert Shea, who's been a champion for evidence-based policy through his work as a commissioner on the Commission for Evidence-Based Policy. I want to thank in particular Grant Thornton, who's been a wonderful collaborator in this project, and we really appreciate their help in organizing this session here today. I'm Don Kettle. I'm professor of public affairs at the LBJ School, and thanks very much to all of you for joining us today. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Don. This is Policy on Purpose, a podcast produced by the LBJ School of Public Affairs at the University of Texas at Austin. We take you behind the scenes of policy with the people who help shape it. To learn more, visit lbj.utexas.edu and follow us on Twitter or Facebook at the LBJ School. 
Thank you for listening.